Welcome to When Grateful Hearts Speak, a podcast about gratitude and empowerment, demystifying the myths of yoga, while connecting our community in conversations without condemnation. We're back again, friends, episode number 16, and we're here with one of our newest teachers, Amy. She teaches Kundalini for us, and she's kind of just being a jack of all trades right now, stepping in for some others. She, I don't think there's anything this lady can't do, just throwing that out there. Um, and she's just a really unique individual. I have been so excited to get to know more about you today, Amy. So we're going to have lots of questions for you. Um, starting off with how and where you grew up. Tell us a little bit about your childhood life and then kind of lead into, you know, how you ended up here in Crestview. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, pretty anticlimactic childhood. I was the youngest of seven. I was born in Alaska and then raised in Arizona and in a really small town with just surrounded by desert. And so um, my mom was an educator for over 40 years. And so I spent most of my time in at schools, just whatever school she was either teaching at, admin for, um, whatever it might have been. And in high school, I moved to Hawaii uh, on my own and and did stuff out there because I wanted to. My dad is originally from Hawaii and that was really fun and a growing experience and I ended up going to college out there. Um, so yeah, that's it in a very quick nutshell. Mm -hmm. And eventually I got married, um, had kids and we lived in Utah for 17 years, um, met at school and then recently have come to Crestview because of the job. My husband got hired in Destin to work, and so we came out here just as of May, brand new, <laughs> brand new. And I know, knowing you of our conversations we've had off air, it was a little bit of a culture shock to get to Crestview. I think you said lovingly Crestview's kind of like 10 years behind. <laughs> yes, it is definitely a culture shock. Mm -hmm. Utah in and of itself is a, it's a cultural bubble Impressive. there. It's, okay. um, and I think every area you go into, there's going to be a certain demographic, mm -hmm. kind of birds of a feather flock together, mm -hmm. and every area is just super unique. And Crestview is no different. It just has its own little flavor, and it's typically more southern, where it's like, oh, just chill. Not a lot of things get people riled up. They're mm -hmm. like, eh, it's fine. In Utah, it was a lot different. Just a little bit more on the go, mm -hmm. busy feeling. Um, yeah. So you've got a little more time on your hands now. Absolutely. Kind of slowing the pace down Absolutely. a little bit. <laughs> well, we well, are that so... seems to fit your personality. Yeah. So, Which yeah. one? The go-go or the slow-down? <laughs> the slow. The, slow the, the slower pace. Even though she's very energetic, you're very energetic, but you also have a very... Um, you have a, a good pace about you. Like, you know, like your feathers don't get ruffled as much. So. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. It's best to not get the feathers ruffled, especially if you have a lot of kids. Yeah. yeah. Tell us how many kids you yeah, have. Tell, tell us, us about our that. listeners um, about I am a mother of 10. They are all mine. They were all planned. They were all wanted. That's usually the first questions that, <laughs> yeah. ask, that are asked. But yeah, homeschool mother of 10. I, I feel like I lead with that when I was like, we have this new teacher. She has 10 children. Yeah. I'm like, you she have to do anything. She, has ten <laughs> she, she gave birth to 10 children. So she can do. I, I feel like so many times I'm, I just, I am sinking with four, you know, um, and, and I didn't birth them all. 
Um, but I birthed three of them. And, and that's amazing. That's a lot. And <laughs> celebratory. <laughs> yeah. And this is also another yeah. culture difference. Utah, In <clears throat> I was raised LDS, and, and I'm Polynesian, and it's very typical to have big families, just huge right. and, and a lot of kids. And so it was actually quite normal to have families of five or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and in the double digits even, mm-hmm. whereas here it's not as common. Right. Mm-hmm. It's actually not as common really anywhere outside of Utah. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I was just telling Robin how interesting it is that the majority of people we've interviewed so far, which, you know, I was raised RLDS and then uh, have been either of my church, of the Mormon church, or have left the Mormon church. Like the majority of our guests. So it's interesting. But and my closest is my mother's best friend when, when I was growing up was LDS. Yeah. Everybody has yeah. a good LDS friend there in their back had pocket. They, I don't remember how many kids, like six kids yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah I think my so. husband, um, when, when he was telling his dad, you know, that about our church and that he would be attending with us, he was like, Mormons are some of the nicest people, you know, like that was the only thing he had to say about it. So I was like, I'll take it. Yeah. It's a great um, label. Yeah. So, um, what's next? How, so you got to Crestview and you're kind of adjusting to your new life here. Um, tell me a little bit about your parenting style. Like how, I know I just briefly was like, what, you don't have a TV? Like, how does that, how do you exist without a television? Like, what is that like? I just want to be a fly on your wall sometimes. It is much easier for children to entertain each other and themselves Mm -hmm. when there's so many Mm -hmm. around. They always have a friend. And my parenting, our parenting style is more, we are all independent, autonomous beings that ultimately are seeking for our power, for control. And the more that we try to control others, the unhappier everyone is. And so with each child, I learned that as I relinquish control, there's still boundaries and like limitations in terms of this is how we run a household where we can all live together. But the more I allowed them to have this power of choice, the happier everyone became. And I released these expectations that somehow I needed to do everything. I needed to entertain them. I needed to be there all the time. I need, when in fact it's learning how to cohabitate and love them each for who they are instead of trying to mold them into something that I want them to be or into the picture perfect that I had in my head mm-hmm. instead of just being like we are so synergistically beautiful together <clears throat> as I step away mm-hmm. from trying to control everything and so our approach is very independent all of my kids know how to do things like get their own food make their own you know get ready for the day they have their own schedules they get everything done. It, it's just, we're creating it. It's a, like a little ecosystem, mm-hmm. an environment. That's wonderful. And so way less stress. That reminded me of like, while she was speaking about the book, Loving What Is, that mm-hmm. we love. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. With like allowing them to be, and I, I think about, you know, the expectations that we put on our children and like a lot of it comes from what we want for them or maybe what we didn't get to experience mm-hmm. and how we just kind of push that on and, try to make it fit like they're trying to wear the shoe that you know wasn't theirs to begin with and then everybody gets disappointed when something doesn't happen the way that we thought it should and if we could just step back and be like okay this is what we have this is what we've been given this is your interest you you know like how can we how can we make this work where everybody is happy and that seems like I don't know but it seems like you're happy in your household everybody 
Is well, and the important aspect of that is is conversation, open mm-hmm. communication. Mm-hmm. The children understand that their choices have a ripple effect. There's consequences mm-hmm. that everyone feels when we are acting out of alignment mm-hmm. with our highest good. Mm-hmm. So whatever that may be in that moment, if it's out of alignment and they do something, let's say hit somebody or yell or they're doing, everyone else is going to, it's going to affect the whole, mm-hmm. the, the the whole, the whole unit. Mm -hmm. And so we spend a lot of time with emotional intelligence and helping them to process what it is they're feeling, helping them become aware and identify those things. And then how do we move this energy in a healthy and productive way instead of lashing out at those around you? Mm -hmm. And this is something that even both me and my husband still work through. That was my next question. How did you get to that point in yourself and your marriage and your relationship? Like what led you to being an emotionally intelligent human being? And how, and how does that contrast or match how you were raised? So my mother, like I said, she was in education for 40 plus years. She is highly intelligent and incredibly in tune with children and systems. Um, so what she implemented in the schools I was taught from a very young age of choice theory, which was a lot more popular in the 80s, um, and parenting with love and logic, which came about in more than 90s, were more of the philosophies in which I was taught by her. Was it perfect? No. And going back to your question, I don't think we ever arrive at any point, but we stay open to the fact that we are all on this journey together. We are all learning, and my children are my greatest teachers Mm -hmm. so the more i'm more open to that Mm -hmm. i can be on the journey with them and learning how to become more emotionally intelligent Mm -hmm. and so it was never like oh yes i I finally have it all figured (laughs) out i'm I'm, I'm enlightened it it was a lot of trial and error as you both know as mothers you never like how you raise one child is not how you raise the other and each time we're all just growing and expanding it cohesively Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, my husband and I still, we both work on this. If something happens, um, like we lash out at a child, let's say, like are talking to them in a tone that we wouldn't normally. Mm-hmm. The other one will call it. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Let's take a moment, breathe, connect. Like, how are you feeling inside? Because this isn't normal. Mm-hmm. And then we can get to the root of what, what part of us is needing to speak mm-hmm. so that we can address that and stop taking it out on anybody in the house. Because when you were just first talking about the, 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 your parenting style, um, I thought about how with my own self personally parenting, that insecurities or fears that I had that happened at, in my childhood, like I'd overcompensate to try to make sure that they don't aren't bothered by that or can, can or have the tools to handle that, you know, when, when maybe they don't need that lesson, you know, that was my lesson, you know, and that, and that's, that's the part where you really, you just, I don't think you ever learn more about yourself than when you are parenting. I mean, I, I don't know how it is not to have children and to be an adult, but, um, it really does reflect back <laughs> into everything and magnify everything in within your own self so for sure yeah. it's an instant mm-hmm. mirror to mm-hmm. some of your deepest insecurities or it can be mm-hmm. and i do believe people can reach these states of um enlightenment or awareness without kids but kids are definitely um a catalyst for they, they, they can they can be yeah. for a lot of people and maybe that's just for those of us who have made that choice to be a mom or, you know that 
that was our path, our lesson. That was how we were going to learn our lessons. And someone who makes another choice, there'll yes. be other opportunities for them to learn whatever they need to learn. So for sure, yeah. And even as a parent, um, letting go of the expectations that our kids that need huge. to learn whatever or they need to like I don't want trying to buffer their life's journey mm -hmm. is probably one of the biggest things I've seen with other parents it was like well I just don't want my kids to suffer I don't want them to experience the trauma because I don't yeah. want I don't want to be the parent that I was yeah. and the truth of the matter is you can only be you you can only show up as the best version of you the role that you play for your child that is independent like because they're going to interpret no matter what it is you do whether we perceive it as good or bad mm -hmm. they're going to interpret it in any way I could parent, like, if you talk to my, I'm the youngest of seven, any one of my siblings, all of us perceived my mom and dad in very specific yeah. roles. Mm -hmm. And what one remembers, I was like, no, he was not like that at yeah, all. Dad yeah. was like this. Mm -hmm. And we both hold on to these truths because our parents, though they didn't change, they were just showing up as the best version of them. Mm -hmm. They played a role for us that was specific to our life journey and our own personal learnings. And so the moment that parents can step out and be like, I'm... I'm not in control of like deciding what it is you learn or whatever. I just know that somehow, some way in this great cosmic universe, mm -hmm. we have this life together. Mm -hmm. And I, I trust that we will both learn what we need to mm -hmm. just by us mm -hmm. showing up and loving each mm -hmm. other in the best way that we know how. That's and so fantastic. it alleviates this responsibility that like, that you're in the control. Yeah, that, that you're you in have. control. Yeah. And then like, yeah. or that like somehow if your kid makes a bad choice, mm -hmm. like that is all my fault. It's like, mm -hmm. no, like release that guilt mm -hmm. that like you were the perfect parent in that moment. Yeah. And your child was the perfect child in that moment. And you were both supposed to, if we yeah. scale it back years later in hindsight, or like, man, my greatest lesson in this experience or whatever, mm -hmm. it's because we just showed up in the best way we knew how in that moment. If we can accept ourselves in grace, mm -hmm. that that's how it was supposed to be. Yes. Because the, the control is normal, it, it's, it's an illusion of the control. Absolutely. So if, you, if that is your mindset, maybe that makes you feel better. I don't know, but it it's does. not It not gives actual. people value yeah. and significance mm -hmm. when they feel like, oh, my kid, they made it. They got a scholarship. They got a full ride. They did this. They're freaking president of the United States. And all of a sudden, I have value for myself. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, independent of my child in anything that they choose whether i think it's good or bad because that's irrelevant yeah i still have value mm -hmm. i still love myself mm -hmm. i still know that i have significance mm -hmm. and i am an amazing daughter mm -hmm. uh, an amazing eternal infinite being i'm an amazing parent i'm whatever it is even in my anger even in my frustrations or my sadness or my ha any any part of that you know um i'm still amazing and so if we can find that value independent of anybody else in our mm -hmm. life, now we know that we're finding wholeness, we're finding peace, mm -hmm. we're finding strength. And we no longer become um, powerless because we own our feelings, we own our actions, we own everything that is ours instead of putting it on someone else of like, oh, I'm such a bad mom because my kid got an F in this class. And yeah. it's like, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah, That's there, like, mm -hmm. we showed up the best way we could and, yeah. and it's perfect. And I still have value as a mom, as a person, as a daughter, as a And you're not woman. letting that guilt or, no. con or self-condemnation no. come through because once that starts compounding within yourself, both mentally and physically, you're not going to be your best self and live your best life and your highest 
And you actually manifest more relationships and more experiences Mm -hmm. that validate the belief system that you are not a good mom, Mm -hmm. that you have all this guilt, Mm -hmm. that everything you do is bad, that everything is your fault. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to validate just that belief system. I feel like this whole episode I'm going to put on repeat and I'm just going to listen to everyone (laughs) because I need Amy to tell me that I am worthy. (laughs) You need you to tell you you are worthy. This is the key. That we move into this place where this is (laughs) all (laughs) intrinsically motivated. It's it's all here. And so regardless of what, even if I were to come in and say, you're not worthy, you're like, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. And it has (laughs) no, like, it has no interface Mm -hmm. into what it is that is already inside of you. Yeah. And that's when we can show up powerfully because nobody else can dictate our inner stance. That's no one else can dictate how we show up in any given moment. I feel like that's what Gayla was just saying episode before last yeah. where I, you know, if someone has an idea of me or something yeah. they're saying, you like I, I don't subscribe to that. Yeah. You know, you can you can put it out there all yeah. you want, but I don't I don't pick up the it, rope, it, I don't yeah. subscribe. Well and really their their perceptions of you are usually just an indication of how they feel about themselves. It's all right. about their own experiences yeah. and beliefs, mm-hmm. not yours. And I I am a firm believer that it's healthy to look at something and say, how can I learn from this? So if that's coming Mm -hmm. up into my awareness, it's like, interesting, where can I learn from this? Or where is this being mirrored back? And is there Mm -hmm. a part of me that actually feels this? And how can I address this within myself? And again, it's still their perception is an indication of what's going on within them. So it actually gives me a lot of insight. And then I can show up in more compassion. Right. While still doing some self-reflection of like, okay, Mm -hmm. Is there, is there a piece of me that this is rising to the mm-hmm. surface? I think that's the, the key, showing up with love and compassion for, you know, we can only meet people where they are and their perceptions are, you know, decades old of all the experiences they've had or their parents had or, you know, we hold on to all of these things as we age and grow and stuff that we didn't even experience that we now know, if, you know, from our grandmothers, you know, that we kept just hold on to. So being able to show up in love and say like I see you I see that that you're having this feeling of me (laughs) let's all just sit here and marinate and see where we can come up with and in my experience the more you find your inner stance and your spiritual autonomy and are good with it the less experiences you have of people having things to say about you. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not even in your awareness anymore right. because who you are naturally gravitates out and the energy and the experiences you have like will come back to you mm-hmm. uh, based off of the vibration you're putting out. Right. And so I, to be honest, I don't know if people say anything about me cause it never is in my awareness. Mm-hmm. Like I don't hear anything. I don't, I just, it, it's just not there. Now in a different time in my life where I felt a lot differently about myself and I was not in such a healthy place. It seemed like constantly I was surrounded by drama and like people having issues and I had like these altercations with people or an argument here and there. And it was like nonstop. And the moment that I stopped blaming everybody else, like, you know what I mean? And I took it back inside. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, these, those kinds of experiences went away. So tell me how you got to that point. Tell me how long you've been practicing yoga, like when you became this spiritually aware, what, what led you to this? part of you. And I know that's hard to pinpoint on your journey if you were looking at your life as a timeline, but you know, when did it start to shift for you? Oh, I've always been spiritual. I've been, uh, so being raised in a very religiously devout Christian home, I was, I love 
I loved speaking anything about God and Jesus Christ and I was I loved it and I also wasn't a huge fan of rigidity and somebody else telling me how to find God Mm -hmm. and so even within the religion I found my own path in like this is how I listen to God this is how I find Jesus like at a very young age you realize yes Mm -hmm. and so I would listen to like my bishop or like the pastor right like his or leadership they would say stuff and I would disagree I wouldn't be like confrontational about it but in my I'm like yeah I'm not going to subscribe to that (laughs) and I would move on Mm -hmm. and I had some leaders that didn't really like that and I was okay with that because it's not their life and so that though was the that's kind of always been my playbook of well you find God or you find God you see how like he speaks to you you and you move towards that and so because of that it just led me from one thing to the next including uh, different spiritual practices, different spiritual traditions, and the things that they use, which there's actually an undercurrent of sameness and similarity right. between all and of everything. them. Right. And mm-hmm. um, like yoga, um, body and emotions, how we hold on to them and finding healing within the body, epigenetics, and all sorts of stuff. Um, and here we are today. Mm-hmm. And my kids, obviously, yeah. they when were like the When did you go the through biggest. the yoga training? What year was that? How long ago? Yoga training, I went through Kundalini specific in 2019. And then, because I only went to Kundalini because I, I wanted, I knew I needed Kundalini in my life. I wanted to deepen my practice and there was nobody around. Like there weren't any Kundalini teachers. Can you explain That's Kundalini? So yeah. Kundalini <laughs> is, um, was a tradition that was passed down by oral tradition through teacher to student only. And then in the 60s, Yogi Bhajan brought it to the West and he was actually kind of shunned for doing that because it it broke uh, a heavy line of sacred tradition and it is working with the stagnant energy which is innately in the body your creative life force energy uh, that's usually sitting at the base of the spine and learning how to circulate it up through breathwork mantra or sacred vibration and movement and so it's very systematic it's a lot more rigid um, in a practice than would a traditional vinyasa flow so and which is kind of funny because you don't like rigidity <laughs> yes and it was actually the perfect thing for me as i was segueing out of organized religion from a religion that was so you do this you know uh-huh, uh-huh. um it felt familiar right and i was able to see the deeply spiritual nature of yogic practices because the Western world of yoga is very about asana, physical mm-hmm. practice, which didn't even come around until the 1950s. And so much, when you go to a yoga class, they just kind of skip over the Vedas and Ayurveda mm-hmm. and all of the stuff that stems from yogic philosophy. Mm-hmm. And we just focus on the physical. And so this was a very physical practice and yet deeply spiritual. Mm-hmm. And in a way that I could, again, I was familiar with. And even within Kundalini, when I would hear teachings from Yogi Bhajan, I'm like, nope, because he's from Sikh religion. And so you can see that kind of filtered through some of the teachings. And then my teacher, um, who studied directly under Yogi Bhajan, was vastly different. He's very much like science. You are scientists, this is an exploration. We are too. It's not set Kriyas. And anyway, so he allowed a lot of wiggle room for growth. And so, yeah, I did that. And, and then I just started teaching right away because other people were looking for it. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of this, I fell into it without not knowing that I was, that was the direction <laughs> I was going to take. And then I did kid, um, kids yoga certification specifically. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Cause I just wanted to 
teach my kids mm-hmm. more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go on a retreat with my sister. That's really the reason <laughs> I did it. And, and then I did my vinyasa training because the studio I was working at, they were, which just so I could have it. I was already teaching a lot of vinyasa and I was doing it. It was just, mm-hmm. I just love getting certified. I love all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's other things that I just picked up along the way that have been really fun. And so. you're also a licensed massage therapist? Yes. And um, I'm an herbalist. I have my bachelor's, but that was like so secondary to like what your self study and yeah. What was the bachelor's in? Uh, originally, I went in for education, and then in my third year, I realized this is I don't agree with public education at all, and I switched to um, politics, so political science, but an emphasis of politics and education. And at the time, the school my mom was a superintendent principal of a small school. And they were going through a state, Arizona State Supreme uh, Court case. And so I did my internship through her, that case. What with part the, of Arizona? The little, it? It's Congress, tiny town. Where in the air? What, what's it? 20, it it's, east it's side, 80 miles side? northwest of Phoenix. So it's okay. a little south okay. of, of Prescott. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so if you're going from Kingman to Phoenix, you got to go. Yeah. No, 17 will take you to Flag. This okay. one's like I'll to Vegas. To the side. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, like bachelor side note, but all this other st- like personal stuff is what you were really passionate about. Yeah, and know what I'm constantly learning. Like, mm-hmm. there's, n- yeah. That's incredible. Well, that's that's a kind of a I think a, a, a just from my own personal experience, homeschooling is you teach your children to learn, yes. not facts and figures, and because you want to be a life learner. Well, and a lover of learning. Uh, and, 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 and be able to know how to find out knowledge, yeah. even pre-internet. <laughs> you know, learn how to, to learn is what the, the ultimate goal is, so that you can be yes. continually trying to improve and learn. And Yeah, and I think right now our culture is so hyper-focused on credentials mm-hmm. and letters, and those are yeah. important. Mm-hmm. It's important to know that whoever you're working with is qualified in mm-hmm. terms of, like, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And I think we've lost a lot of intuitive knowingness Mm -hmm. that we have wisdom within us Mm -hmm. and that I've met tons of teachers yeah they are certified teachers and they are the worst in the classroom Mm -hmm. and I've met some phenomenal teachers that have never done a day of training of like in like they don't really write a curriculum or match it up to standards Mm -hmm. and they are it's just a gift same thing and you look at any course of study any industry and you will find people who it's just their gift regardless of their training, regardless of their education, and then others who have all of the letters behind their name in the world, and they are should find something else to do and with if their they, life. And if, if they're not in tune with their own intuition and their own um, observation, if they're just going on facts and not really getting into that cellular reaction to one thing or another, I mean, I don't know... I don't know. I just I was just thinking in terms of like a doctor. You want them to be intuitive, not Absolutely. just educate. You want them to be educated and have yeah. You want to make sure that they know skills what they're doing. and that they're not just you know. They also like, have background oh, I read a book checks about and it, stuff. So sure, I can do the surgery. You know, you don't want that, but you also want them to be instinctual about and what's going I on. I think if we put a little bit more emphasis into the love of learning itself mm-hmm. instead of the outcome-based yes. education, mm-hmm. which is like you do X, Y, and Z and you get a degree. Yeah, learn this and for the yeah, test. If yeah. we actually put a little bit more emphasis in really developing and cultivating love of learning, mm-hmm. 
we would have a perfect balance of both. Mm -hmm. That people follow their passions because they're naturally gravitating towards them and their passions come to fruition and it becomes very easy for them to get all of the credentials that are needed to safely work in that career. And like the a learning doctor. is not a, it's not a, um, it's not drudgery. It's not like drudgery. Yeah. yeah it's not just like, a, yeah, it becomes a, a fun. Wait. It's, it's like, Oh, this is so cool. You know, that's what yes. I always think about with college. Once you get into your major classes, then you, yeah. if you're in the right field, then you're going to just, the thrive, problem is, is that for the first 14 years, yeah, they kill not, yeah. the, any mm-hmm. desire yeah. you're not in your major until the last two years. Yeah. And then you can pay even more money to really emphasize with the masters and doctorates. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and yet, what if we started from a very young age mm-hmm. of allowing kids mm-hmm. to explore and see what yes, it is they like yes. and not expecting 18-year-olds to suddenly know what it is that exactly. they want to do with their life and go into jobs. And it's like, we wonder why people at 40, 50 years old wake up and like, man, I'm so I unhappy. Just, yeah. Why? What am I doing with my life? It's like, we've never given them the freedom to yeah. just explore mm-hmm. for the fun of exploring. And if we could have more apprenticeships and things like that where you actually hands-on experience and discover that love instead of just happening on to something that you're passionate about, you know, but that you're exposed. I think having these conversations is a great way to just, I mean, and I think COVID was a good way to, like, everybody stayed home and, like, let the kids play for a while and, you know, some weren't happy about it. I was, it was a great time in our life to be where we were at the farm, you know, and all the stuff that we had to do there. It was a blessing to be where we mm-hmm. lived. Um, but trying to get my son to learn from the computer screen was god awful. Well, know? it's horrible for all of us anyway. Oh, it was awful. But, and I also find just trying to teach him is hard for me. So we talked about this before with other guests, like how different each kid is and how their needs are different and how sometimes mm-hmm. the school is great for them and sometimes it's not. And you know, finding that balance as the parent without taking too much ownership of how they turn out, you know, like how can I move forward in a way that benefits them and me and I always tell people, (laughs) if you choose whatever makes you happiest, if you are sharing your gifts, let's say you love to cook, and it's just very natural for you to invite your children in as they cook side by side. There's no, again, there's not an outcome base. It's not like he's gonna be the next like Gordon Ramsay. We're literally just talking about you sharing your love, your passions with your children. That is all, and if adults, if grandparents, I think this is really how we can make a shift. If we're just sharing what it is we love. I mean, some of the fondest memories that people have is like, man, I learned, knitting next to my grandma and she would just sit and talk to me and like blah 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 my parents used to just tell me stories and it was my and they just if we fell into it gave ourselves permission to just create in our passions naturally it's a skill we pass on without it being drudgery without it being a thing it's just the way we're living cohesively together yeah and so i have a love of the body of health and fitness and um, all a lot of actually a lot of things <laughs> the list goes on and my kids know what they are I do not force this on my children but if they want to come and join me in it great come and join me and also they know that they have stuff that I'm not interested in and I'm like I'm okay thanks but you want to teach me about this I really want to learn this and so they're we're all teaching each other different things mm-hmm. because we all love doing what we're doing yeah. tell me about your herbalist background uh, well that so when I've never liked doctors because it just seemed like a waste of time. Like 
there was no preventative care. And so as I had my children, I was like, this is a waste of everything. Every time I went, I'm like, this is a waste of my time. Um, when I would go to give birth, I was, I didn't get an epidural. I didn't do anything. And they kept me in the hospital way longer than I needed. They quite honestly, a lot of them were just idiots. Like they weren't really listening to what it was I was saying. And so by my fourth baby, I was like, well, I'm just going to do it at home. Like there's a waste. And so once I did my first home birth, I got really into essential oils and we actually did doTERRA. Like that was our job to build a team and do that network marketing company for two years. And then that really got me into more holistic, um, like natural medication and things. And so then that took me on this path and I was like, oh, it would be cool to learn about herbs. Mm-hmm. And so I did. doTERRA and Young Living both originated in Utah, right? Yes. And actually the leaders of doTERRA were once a part of Young Living. Okay, cool. Utah is the mecca of all MLMs. Just yeah. <laughs> heads up. Heads up. If you know a Mormon, they're probably yeah. a part of an MLM yeah. at yeah. some point of their well, life. Well, I, I just heard um, yesterday on a podcast about that doing the missions makes you um, learn how to handle rejection. Absolutely. And that makes you the greatest salespeople in the world. <laughs> Most door to door sales companies yeah. also originate out of Utah. Yeah. Great skill set to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, free training if yeah. they choose Rejection to serve a mission. Rejection is a, a great teacher. <laughs> yes, it really is. Oh, so yeah, then it just led me naturally to um, herbs. And tell us more about some other natural practices you have that we've talked about offline that maybe you use for healing or... Uh, well, I just believe that at the heart of it, people can heal themselves. Our bodies are intelligent, and if we are in balance, we can find healing. Yes, we can use whatever. At the heart of it is all is emotions. So my, my love has always been emotions. And as you heal that, then everything else takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. To get people to emotions is probably one of the hardest things that there is. Because we are so accustomed to like compartmentalizing things that are quote unquote bad. Instead of recognizing it as a part that needs to speak and allowing it to say and then integrate it. Mm-hmm. So... Well, because I've used, that's biblical, right? Some people are afraid of emotion because we think that we're somehow like people. I don't know. They spin it somehow. If we if we listen too much to our heart, we're not following Christ or or whatever. You know. But then how does the that Holy so Spirit come in? If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, if you ever had you know that experience, that's you know the most powerful lessons I've ever learned. When I actually felt heard a voice, you know, telling me and. You know, you can say it's your instincts, you're opening up, you're whatever, but if you're... No, I'm, 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 yeah, the thing I'm that, confused but, about is yeah. like, you know, when people say it's, you're not... Like, I get you have to die to self mm-hmm. to... Yeah. to But you also have to listen. But it also says love your neighbor as yourself. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so what are you confused about specifically? When you talk about emotions and how important how powerful you know a lot of christian practices will will say that you don't listen you don't follow mm-hmm. your heart mm-hmm. you you follow scripture you follow god you, you you know you you let all of that other stuff go away like act like it's not there so. yes so the foundation thing to understand is that we are energetic beings like it's been measured we vibrate mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. our sound carries vibration. We have like this, it can be measured and they've shown it. 
there are two specific types of energy that flow throughout the world, feminine and masculine. They have nothing to do with gender. It is literally just this certain types of energy. You can link it to the sun, to the moon. And those energies are what are at the hub of creation. They also carry specific traits. We have lived in a world that is very masculine driven in terms of just the energy. It's very solar, it's very productivity. It's we are go, go, go. And that is what is valued. It's very compartmentalized. We need it to get things done. The other energy that has been neglected for centuries is this feminine energy, which is very flowy, which is very much in the rest. If you think about the, the womb of a mother, this is where most of it is done. In the first trimester, so much happens that no one even sees. No one even knows if you're pregnant and you're literally carrying life. And all of this is happening. This happens in the dark and all this, you know, like the seed go, germinates in the soil. Like this is the feminine energy. And it's not until the baby is born and all of a sudden, oh, baby, go, go, go. And that's what's like really celebrated is this masculine outward show of productivity. Mm -hmm. And so religion and all other institutions have been very masculine based. And I'm not, again, this is nothing mm -hmm. to gender. Yes. It's just mm -hmm. the energy in which we've been living that it's, it's very easy for people to say, I can, you can find God by doing X, Y, and Z. And people like that. We like consistency. We like predictability. We like to know that the efforts that we put in is going to have a result that I'm not doing all these things just because. Mm -hmm. And so that's where religion has been so helpful for people is giving them something to hold on to that I promise if you just keep holding onto this rod and like walking along, you will find God. But I think a lot of people have realized that with that is the whole spiritual aspect that yes, you can do all of those things, but if you don't have love in your heart, if you're mm -hmm. not listening to what you need in that moment, if you're not being kind and you know serving other people, yeah, you could show up to church every day, you could read your scriptures. I don't care if you can re quote them back to me. If you're still a jerk, mm -hmm. yes, you know, you're still yeah. just a jerk. Like there is this beautiful flow between what it is we do and how it is that we are which is the masculine and the feminine. And so with religion, it gets very easy to get looking at the box mm -hmm. of like the equation. How do I find God? And I just read my scriptures. I'm just going to go to church. Again, those are all beautiful practices. And how can we introduce the spiritual? How can we listen to our heart? How can we really connect to God? When I say my prayers, am I feeling mm -hmm. him? Am I feeling mm -hmm. this presence? And does this voice, am I weighing it in my heart? Does this feel right? Whatever that person said, I don't care if they're over a pulpit mm -hmm. or it's a conversation. Is it right for me? Exactly. And is it okay for you to, st can you give yourself permission to step a little bit outside of the box for your own spiritual growth and connection to God, however that may look. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what anybody else says for you, just because you know, it's right for you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have a hard time doing that for fear of judgment, for fear of like, Oh, Linear, you know, where is that going to lead me? If I let go of what everyone tells me is the right thing to do, well, am I going to find, am I going to be lost in the void by myself? <laughs> and yeah, you might be. And that's where trust comes in. Now we have this feminine energy of like, can you lean in? Can you enter the dark mm -hmm. and trust that you will be nourished by spirit, mm -hmm. that you will reconnect to who it is that you really are. And then when you have those moments, knowing that you can show back up in the masculine in the community as a better, more whole version of yourself. Still doing all the tasks and maybe they look a little bit differently, but can you find that ebb and flow for you without being, it being dictated to you in some perfect box your, by someone your else? Motivation is not fear. 
Like I feel it like so much of my religious, see, my seeking spiritually, because I was very aware at a young age I was spiritual, but in my spiritual seeking there's always different fear. religions. Yeah. Most religion you know, institutes. The fear of not being good enough is not a good motivation. Fear is never a good motivation. Exactly. And most institutions are based off of fear yeah. because mm -hmm. it's very afraid and ignorant people that generate money. Mm -hmm. If you can keep people afraid yeah. and ignorant, yes. you can keep them controlled. Mm -hmm. And really, this is just an indication of how much fear there is at the top. Mm -hmm. That if they lose control, now what will they have? A society that runs itself? A society that's autonomous? Mm -hmm. And they're divine beings that just work in harmony mm -hmm. because that's who they really are? Yeah. And so there's a lot of control based off of fear and this circles right back into even a parenting method, right? When you hold yourself as this parent with controlling out of fear of, well, I don't want these things to happen to my kids and if this happens, then all hell's gonna break mm -hmm. loose. Now, everything is motivated and dictated by fear. Mm -hmm. And now kids do what they do just because they're scared of messing up. They're scared right. to get you know, punished by their parents. Mm -hmm. And as adults, we have that same mentality. Well, if I do this, well, God's not gonna love me. Mm -hmm. If I do this, then I will never be good enough and I won't, see my family on the other side or uh, there's so many things yeah, that have yeah, been yeah. programmed into us that are just downright lies mm -hmm. and so i always tell people wherever you are is perfect and the question should always i know what fear does in this situation but what would love do mm -hmm. if i'm in this place like what would love do right now if you're in a place of indecisions like what would love do right now mm -hmm. what would you know, and this starts getting into the emotions because when you start to feel, I think there's only two real base emotions, it's love and fear. And anything that stems from fear, which are typically our negative ones, you can root it back and be like, okay, what would love do in this, in this situation? And then how would love show up? And there's a myriad of, of things that can show up in, in the name of love. Mm -hmm. And so if we worked in those two emotions and could identify them, then that would be greatly beneficial to society mm -hmm. as a whole. My papa always said, and we just talked about him last episode with my 92-year-old great-aunt, can't carry fear and faith in the same bucket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and perfect love can't stop fear. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And so with that, at the base of it all is fear, or sorry, is emotions. Mm -hmm. And helping people get to those emotions, there's a lot of different ways. So. As a massage therapist, somebody comes into me and they're like, oh, my back, da, da 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 this hurts. And it's like, great, I can sit here and I can massage this out. And we can, I can relieve this temporarily. Mm -hmm. And let's sit with what might come up in this session. As I work in this area, breathe into this area. Do you feel something? Is there a memory that might pop up? I've had multiple SERs, which are somatic emotional releases, which just means that uh, an emotion might spontaneously come to the surface because we're holding it on somewhere in our body. It happens in yoga a lot, it happens with, it can happen really with a lot of different things. But it's just indicator that I've done something, we've done something to help release this emotion. So it can happen through massage, that's where I, one natural way that I would help people. The other one was through oils. So like being, certain oils can stimulate memories and healing just by the different uses of them. Same thing with herbs. We've also worked a lot with plant medicines and helping people Sound therapy is another big one of helping breath work. Mm -hmm. Another one is just all these mm -hmm. different modalities, like tools in a tool belt to help people get to the root of what's really going on. And most people stay at the physical root. If you're having ailments, if you have injuries, if you have chronic diseases, 
That is your body screaming at you that there is something much deeper. Are you wanting to go there? And most people's answer is no. I would rather just take the pill. Give me the band-aid to make this pain go away and then I don't want to deal. And really all that's doing is kicking the can down the road. And it's like, okay, great. I can give you this massage and we can make your back feel better today. And then you'll be back next week or next month or next year. Because until you release the anger, until you really release the resentment or whatever it is, your body's going to let it out somehow. So people just like to kick that can. And, or it's just going to keep, it that won't. neural pathway is going to keep repeating itself. Yeah, it was. Because that's all we know and that's all we've done. Um, what are some, we've talked a lot about cannabis on the podcast, like naturally. I don't know yeah. if it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Several people have brought it up and we've talked about it, um, which was great because I've learned a lot. And what, what other plant medicines So really plant medicine is any of plants. Um, let food be thy medicine. It's everything of the earth. So it's anything from cannabis to herbs, which are hugely beneficial. Uh, cacao is a, a very great one that I've used that has helped a lot. Um, psilocybin, there's like all like so many different ones that even cactus and barks from trees and ayahuasca. And there's just so many different herbs that have been used for millennia thousands and thousands of years that have been demonized. Uh, again, this will relate right back into this whole conversation control. about control. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a people who are enlightened, who are finding healing, mm-hmm. who are finding health through natural means, well, where's the money? Mm-hmm. You can't patent an, a plant, mm-hmm. but we can make a weak copy of yeah. it using mm-hmm. synthetics and yeah. chemicals and then we can make money off of that and then we can create it in such a way that actually makes you more sick so you just keep coming back to give us mm-hmm. your money and now you become dependent on the system and then through religion we keep telling you well you're not good enough mm-hmm. you don't have it in you mm-hmm. to ever get better and so now we have the belief system that i need these pills i need this thing to save me mm-hmm. because i well i can't do it myself And so what plant medicine does is it taps people back into the divine knowledge that they are creators, that they are God in embryo, that we have this power to rewire, to rebuild anything inside of us. Mm -hmm. If we but believe is the first one, Mm -hmm. secondly, if we have the desire and then the tools to do so. And plant medicine is just a great path there. And again, it's been around for thousands, thousands of years. Well, God created all of this, these things, the, you know, the earth. It's all at our fingertips. The, you know, so for us. And also, as we talked about, even with the cannabis, that we have the receptors, you know, that, that we are created to take in these things. And that, that is... Psilocybin is the same way. Yeah. That we have specific receptor mm-hmm. sites mm-hmm. that are perfectly linked to psilocybin. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... You, now it's quite interesting because we have archaeologists and scientists who have gone and shown through history that we have had these medicines given to us in mass for thousands of years in every single culture. And oftentimes it was given by women in temples. And a lot of people will be like, oh, I can't believe. But it's, <laughs> it's the religion with no name. And it's you there's just so much study behind it and really we're butting up against um a lot of programming and cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. so when you have the 60s which is this huge wave of like whoa what is this i can experience god Mm -hmm. i can see this 
that I'm something so much more mm-hmm. than what everyone else is telling me. Now all of a sudden we have Nixon coming in and saying, we're on drugs. Yeah. We have to shut this down. And at the time, they, you had major universities doing pivotal studies yes. of what was happening in the brain mm-hmm. for this. They shut that all down mm-hmm. for 30, 40 years. And it wasn't until the early 2000s that they allowed John Hopkins to then reestablish more of those studies. Mm-hmm. And that's when they started using it for cancer patients, for PTSD. And they are now able to show scientifically what mm-hmm. is now happening because they let off a little bit on the war on drugs. And so within certain areas, they're allowing a little bit more studies specifically towards psilocybin, but they're still trying to keep control over it. Mm-hmm. Still trying to like ketamine has been released mm-hmm. um, or is FDA approved, mm-hmm. but again, it's a synthetic drug and it mm-hmm. works way differently within the body. It has amazing benefits and it's, it's beautiful and it's not natural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. And so allowing, we can make money that way. And if, as we claim our sovereignty again in our own healing, in our own spiritual paths, I think we can win this overall of like enlightened people don't make good blind followers. <laughs> no, no, well, they don't make any money for yeah. sure, yeah. right? It's, yeah. And mm-hmm. there, this we they can't control. Mm-hmm. No one can control us. Yeah, and the and the pharmaceutical companies have you have everything from the food have, food industry, yeah. mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals, religion, every, the government, every mm-hmm. major entity. Mm-hmm with a lot of very powerful people, very few relative to the population Mm -hmm. that would just come crashing down. Because why would we need a government when we can Mm self-govern? We don't need other people to tell us what love is and how to work out a value exchange Mm -hmm. and how to live harmoniously. We had tribes for thousands of years that did this. And like, it's just throughout time we've seen how we, people can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe there's some fights here and there. And we could figure it out. Yes. We don't need other people telling us how to live our life or what to do. Because we know how to find God. Mm-hmm. We know how to find spirit. Because it's Inherently, within us. It's, it's, it's here and we are yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> For the most mm-hmm. part. But everyone wants to tell you that you're bad. Yeah. You're not good enough. Original sin, the whole yes. thing. Mm-hmm. And, and we got to draw our energy mm-hmm. away from that. We have to draw yeah. our belief away from that. And, and, and create something just, different. Just the weight of even, you know, just having a flashback, just talking about this to the religion that I have been a part of and, and the weightiness of knowing, you know, there's so much evil in the world. There's so much, And I just believe differently. I believe yeah. there's so much good in the world. I believe that people are inherently good and people want to be, they want to do the right thing, but we've gotten bogged down with all these messages that we've heard from so many different sources yes. and all that chatter keeps us from tapping in to what is there yeah you know? it's kind of the wizard of oz you know she, the power was within her to go back yes <laughs> all along yeah so. well and with all that being said mm-hmm. i still believe religious traditions are so beautiful mm-hmm. that there is a place for ritual and for practice for consistency yeah. again mm-hmm. that masculine mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. and the the shift in which everything is happening is at a perfect pace because if we were to rip away everything it would it, it would, yeah. it would yeah. almost be just too much for our it systems and yeah <laughs> well, and the foundation so, wouldn't be there to support yeah it's so yeah. it's it's really beautiful in that i just feel like people are finding more of their spiritual autonomy within whatever tradition they choose i have so many friends who are a part of a church or a part of a religion mm-hmm. and almost not and then mm-hmm. others who are like really in it 
and they're still finding God. Yeah. And these, like everyone can, the beautiful thing is, my God is all loving. Mm -hmm. He's omniscient, mm -hmm. he is omnipresent, and he speaks to all of his children. And so regardless of anyone's faith or what it is they practice, he'll find you mm -hmm. if you're open. If you're looking, if you're looking mm -hmm. he'll find you, he always well, the does. Bible even says that. Yeah. You know, if you seek, you will find, mm -hmm. you know. And the whole thing about the Old Testament, New Testament, and the whole Jesus example was love, you know. So if you're holding on to, um, even like on 9-11, I don't know if y'all saw the picture of the rainbow, the double rainbow that went over New York City. And, you know, when you think back, of that's from whatever you believe about that. Uh, and, and as far as if the rainbow Coming. is a symbol of God's promise, if you believe that, then that's from a loving God. That's a promise of, from, from love. So, yes. yeah. And I'm a firm believer, we will always seek confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. So no matter what it is you believe, if you believe in love, you will always find signs of love, mm -hmm. tokens of love, whether it's through nature or for a conversation or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if you inherently are so riddled with limited beliefs and anger, you will find a world mm -hmm. that is very angry mm -hmm. and hard. And all it takes is for you to switch the perspective and say again, what would love do here? How can I view this more through love? Where can I find validation through love? Our brain is a, like, it just wants to find the easiest route possible. It wants, it's all about efficiency. And so it will just find the first thing to confirm the beliefs you already have because that's the most efficient route. Mm -hmm. And so if your beliefs are anger and resentment and everyone is horrible and the world is against me and I'm a victim and blah, 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 mm -hmm. guess what? Your brain will find every single instance and situation and person in your life who reaffirms that belief. It's just looking for evidence to confirm your beliefs. And so if we can start to shift and be like, what I, I'm love and what would love do in this instance? All of a sudden, the brain's like, oh, oh, this is fun. Where else can we find love? Where can we find it here and here and here? It's just confirmation bias. So what is it we seek in the world? Do we seek love? Do we seek fear? What is it we want to create? Where do we want to put our energy? Because where we put our energy, that is what we will create. Mm -hmm. Hence the reason these institutions want to put in our face all of the things that go wrong. You have news media, social media. Well, look at how much better this person is than you are. Look at all these stories that are happening around the world and how scary this is. And, and that's not to negate that there is suffering in this mm -hmm. world because there is. Mm -hmm. However, how can I even view that suffering through a scope of, of love? Mm -hmm. And where can I see that shining through amidst the suffering? Where can we find stillness amidst the chaos? calm in the storm and that's really what jesus showed us mm -hmm. if if we're not embodying that then then why are we reading scripture at all mm -hmm. girl drop the mic and and let me just ask where do you see like western medicine's role in your um life uh, if my kid gets in a car accident, mm -hmm. you better believe mm -hmm. they've got to rush him to the hospital. It, Western medicine is such a huge, huge blessing. Uh, I love it so much. It is, for traumatic, like trauma care, mm -hmm. we are bar none of, over the entire world. Mm -hmm. And that's where it stops. And, <laughs> and we if we could in, start, and, and I have a friend who's a lot of, uh, she's a doctor who's doing a lot of integrative uh, medicine work. There are a lot of doctors transitioning to, we. there's a huge gap. 
we are making people sicker, we are making people more unhealthy mm -hmm. because the preventative care is not there. We're still compartmentalizing. Like trauma care, if your arm is hurt, yes, like mm -hmm. fricks my arm. Mm -hmm. And, but they're using that same model for preventative care. Like, oh, there's some, you're sick, well then let's just give you a antibiotic, mm -hmm. which will kill all the antibodies yeah, and yeah. now it's, it reeks over yeah. your whole system. Mm -hmm. Instead of understanding that the body is a whole unit and there's always this interplay between all of the different systems and the body parts. And can we take a more Eastern approach to helping people become healthier in the long term? And then, yeah, let's absolutely set up sustainable, uh, practical ways for people to get trauma care when needed. Mm -hmm. But our whole system is based off of making people sicker and more unhealthy. Yeah, when, when the advertisements for medications list all these yeah, symptoms you could have this happen and then the next commercial you see if you're taking this drug and you're still struggling you can take this drug yeah. exactly <laughs> and to help that other drug to help you and or sue the company you that know, took the drug yeah, yes yes and a, and all that's it's yeah. it's unrealistic people can't even afford it that's a sad yeah. reality mm -hmm. whereas when health if you're working with plant medicines mm -hmm. if we're dealing with our emotions if we are literally getting in the sun putting our feet in the ground, mm -hmm. breathing clean air, drinking good water, eating real food. Mm -hmm. Health is here. It's going to happen. It's yes. going to happen. <laughs> like, just take a breath, connect with real people, shut mm -hmm. off your screen, get some sleep. I mean, it doesn't take rocket science, people. Like, yeah. stop mm -hmm. going through the drive-thru. Mm -hmm. It's, you know what I mean? Like, it's just incredible what we have at our fingertips, mm -hmm. but people would rather live in the blame game of like, well, I just don't have the money. It's like, yeah. I didn't know that it costs money for you to look at your neighbor in the eye and say hi, yeah. because yeah. there's scientific proof that yeah. that can actually mm -hmm. increase your longevity. I didn't know that getting on the floor and playing with your kids and laughing mm -hmm. for crying out loud, I didn't know laughing was so hard yeah. to do. Yeah. And that that is also free. That mm -hmm. there's so many things that we could tap into every single day. If we walked out every morning and just lived in gratitude, breathed mm -hmm. in the things that we are so grateful mm -hmm. for, I promise your health will change. Mm -hmm. I promise all of these things, like your life would be phenomenally better mm -hmm. if we just made these little little shifts. Wait, here, little here yeah. and there. It doesn't mm -hmm. take rocket science yeah. and it doesn't take a big pharmaceutical company mm -hmm. getting all of our money and all of our taxes and all of the other things to get us healthy. But we have to stop blaming everyone else. Mm -hmm. Amy, you're you're just such a wealth of knowledge. Like I, it's gonna take me a long time just to go and process all the things we talk about in this what hour and a half of a show. But how do you stay grounded so that you can keep helping people? I mean, I know you have all these tools in your toolbox. Is there something that you do daily? Oh, there are a lot. <laughs> so my question is always like, what feels right? What feels good to me in this moment? So sleep is number one priority. Okay, mm -hmm. and I don't always get it, and I know when I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, just those basic healthcare things that I was saying yeah. about like, dude, have I eaten? Yeah, have I slept? I do I need water? water? Yeah. Like, do I need a nap? Like whatever it is. That's like, like a kid, right? Mm -hmm. Do I have my nap? Have they been fed? Mm -hmm. All that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I have very specific practices that I absolutely love. So I love to learn. I have to be in a book. I don't have to be. I love to be in a book all the time, learning something. If I am in a place of stagnation, my husband will drop me off at a Barnes and Noble and I will stay there all day and I will get fully recharged because I will find all the next things I want to study. And so, I, like I said, I'm always in a, another course or program to for whatever. I just go wherever feels right. Okay. And then I actually practice, there's a lot of tantric practices that I do for um, self-care and plant medicine. I'll do, when it feels right, I'll drop in um, meditation every single day. Uh, I obviously do yoga. Um, Kundalini is home to me. It feels so right. I love it. Um, and none of these are like, oh, I do these things every single day. I mean, like, let's when be real. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, my kids will join me sometimes and whatever. I carve out intentional time every single day with my husband without fail. Like this is, he, like we are together. What if you and don't feel like it? What if one of That is like not grumpy? even a thing. <laughs> like, no, because we know like, so we are so in tune with one another and it's something we have cultivated that like he it like he just knows or we know like if i'm grumpy well here he comes with this bag of food and like and like whatever is needed in that moment we just know how to show up for each other we allow ourselves each other the space that is needed to process whatever that is however that may be and we don't take offense mm -hmm. we are separate than their feelings mm -hmm. and we just love spending time with each other like and so we have intentional time every single day. Nice. What else? Um, so yeah, those are like a lot of the tool belts. My obviously my favorites are are the tantric practices and, and plant medicine. Those what, are just describe fun. the tantric practices. That you do. So tantra is just another way, and it's about it's it's really about feeling. It's about connecting to your body. This idea that you can experience everything through the body, and it's all the senses. Can you become alive in your eros, your, your aliveness of being human? And so it's drinking in the sights around you, right? And tasting the music as it comes into your ears, like this interplay between our senses, that they all work in harmony. And so um, this ties right into Kundalini. So a lot of Kundalini is within, everyone thinks of Tantra and Kundalini is like, oh, this is just sexual. And there is an aspect of that. But even within with sex and intimacy, it's about utilizing this creative life force energy as a purifying force that we're circulating up and down the governing meridians to cleanse and connect us to God. That is, there is no better place. Why not find God in our pleasure? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. can you still find God in your anger? Can you still find God in, and like everyone likes it, like, can you, like, in the dirt, in the, like, muck. Because it's really great when you go to church and you're like, oh, praise the Lord, I feel this spirit, this music, you know, and everything's happy and good. Easy, find God. But can you also find God in the dirt, like the angry, the, the, the dirty? And that's where tantric practices are so beautiful because you find God in all of the things. You find connection in spirit, in the aliveness of just being human that we utilize the body to sense everything around us. Cause this is a vehicle. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times religion will put it like, oh, you gotta- Don't feel that. Don't feel that. <laughs> and you gotta become the master of your body. You have to like get it under control. But yet our emotions were given to us by our creator. Yes. So. And even your body, yes. your pleasure. Mm -hmm. What it feels yes. like to just like, like some of the fabrics, right? Like. Mm -hmm. um, something cashmere. soft oh, cashmere mm -hmm. and how you just want to like mm, like rub like mm -hmm. roll around in it or like you taste something so decadent and just like mm, you know and you're just like in this whole other experience mm -hmm. just from food and then even sex in this pleasure of like connection and feeling so much love and so much power and and all of the things that can come with every single experience mm -hmm. and so if we thought of it as like what if life could be that. What if every experience could be that? Mm -hmm. this, you're, like that you're are, sexualizing your existence. Yes, but <laughs> like, and, and in like the most beautiful of ways, right? Like our anger, we really feel in our anger and we celebrate it and we like, ah, we move it mm -hmm. and our sadness. Or we don't push we get, that on the no. person who's like 
no, we, in front of us, not driving yes, the speed limit that we exactly, want to. <laughs> exactly. We don't push it on anyone else. We see it as it is and we love it. Because I firmly believe that's why we chose to become human. I don't think it's happenstance that any one of us are sitting here in these bodies. That at some point we chose this experience. And we chose it because we're like, man, that is a fun ride. Like, who? what it's other species? <laughs> yes, there is no other species that can go from feeling angry and bothered and mad and then all of a sudden like super happy who can go from laughing and crying and simultaneously like yelling mm -hmm. within a matter of seconds mm -hmm. the the our sentience to be able to process that on a somatic level and then also at an intellectual level is unreal and yet we don't allow ourselves to do it mm -hmm. we don't allow ourselves to experience the gamut of what it is to be human. You gotta keep those emotions in, in Because it's not yeah, okay, because, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you're losing it. She's yeah. crazy. Mm -hmm. Oh, they, they're they've mm -hmm. out of control. Like, those are, words are weaponized. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why do we not celebrate them? Like, yes, let it out. <laughs> Get that anger out. Like, this is so sad. How does that feel? Mm -hmm. Without it, without taking it out on other people. Yes, in a healthy mm -hmm. and productive mm -hmm. way. The only time that it comes out unhealthily is because we packed it packed down, it packed in. it down, packed it down. Explodes. And then that needle breaks the camel's back and all of a yeah. sudden we are, we are crying without stopping. It's we, not about the thing. It's, it's about that what, thing two weeks ago. Or even 40 or, years or, ago. Or, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. in utero. Like there's, mm -hmm. yeah. and it, again, it doesn't matter where you got it. It just matters that you have it. Mm -hmm. Do you want it? Do you want to express it? Do you want to feel it or not? And most people choose not. I choose yes. I want to feel it. And I want to embrace it in its totality. Well, and because it will manifest as illness in your body. It yes. will show up. And it will show up even in your experiences. There's a reason why. People will be like, oh, I always just seem to find this kind of relationship. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. What are you holding on to? Oh, I always seem to injure this thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I always... And it's like, what do you see the pattern here? Mm -hmm. What are the beliefs? What are the emotions mm -hmm. that are driving this creation? How is this showing up? And when are When is the crisis... What crisis is it going to be that wakens you up enough to change what it is you're doing and how it is you're feeling? Mm -hmm. Because the lesson will always come back around, whether through this injury or this like sickness or this relationship or whatever, doesn't matter. Life, God is always like, well, just whenever you're ready, we'll just come back around. <laughs> and when you're ready to, for the next experience, we will go there. But most people don't want to go there. They're just like, oh, woe is me. If this person would just change, then I'll be happy. And all these things, if that over there happened, then I would finally get this and be like, it's like, no, you can just choose it now. You can choose to see God in the dirt, see God in the sex, see God in the poop, see God in the, in the happiness and in the rainbows and all of that and choose joy. Because we're living in the fullest expression of being human. And that's our human right to be yes. joyful. Yeah, and angry. It's our human right to be sad. It's our human right to be all of these things. Yeah. And how freeing it is to be like, whew. Like, think about like when you have this really good cry. And all of a sudden, you're just like, oh my gosh, I felt great. And I'm exhausted. And like, but it feels so releasing. It's like, yeah, celebrate that. We need to channel that need to be in control to being in control enough to allow yourself to be out of control. <laughs> You make that choice. Maybe that's why, like, the rage rooms. The rage rooms are rage getting rooms. <laughs> A lot of it is getting... And so I utilize a lot of those tools to help me. Like, um, emotional alchemy was one that's taught to me recently. Uh, pleasure prayer as well. And those were 
that I've been in a container for the past six months learning those things, and that was been transformative. We need an Amy dictionary. We'll learn. Well, really, with, with emotional alchemy, it's really about alchemizing. It's just changing mm-hmm. something from into another state, right? So, like lead into gold is what it's been. Alchemist, I would highly recommend. Oh, I love that, that book. Such <laughs> yes, a good book. Such a good book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's about recognizing and acknowledging the feelings that are there and can you alchemize into something creative Mm -hmm. that they're all just fuel Mm -hmm. within us and so if you think about anger it's this uh it can be a very dirty fuel if you will like it could burn down a huge forest Mm -hmm. it harbors in our liver and it can wreak havoc in our liver um and also we all we love fire right it can warm us it cooks our food and so used in the right way that fire energy of anger can be a beautiful tool. Some of the greatest paintings and artwork and writings have been in anger. And you it can know, motivate you to motiva- write wrong. Yes. You know, like All the as things. far as things that are happening to people that are not, that are harmful. Yes. If, if you have that passion like and social fire. injustices and things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you alchemize in a way that fuels the passion it's not in a way that's confrontational mm-hmm. and rude and mean and all of that because now we're border unhealthy mm-hmm. so this internal alchemization is we are recognizing it we're feeling it we're letting that electricity that vibration roll mm-hmm. through us and then we play with sadness and what does it feel like to work with sadness and now using having those emotions can we now alchemize them into pleasure what does pleasure look like for you is it like you know being an activist is it planting in your garden is it what where where do you find pleasure in life and can we move it into pleasure tap into that feel good energy and it's not a selfish thing no to be because again some religions or some people will say you're being selfish because you're putting so much time in this or that when really you're following your own. See, and I would counter with thing. like, it is incredibly selfish to hoard your yeah. gifts. Yeah. If you are exactly. holding back your passions, mm-hmm. you are with like yeah. withholding from the whole world. Are not what appreciating what you have in front of you. You know, if you're not, if you're, it, it, you have, you know, maybe worked hard and you have this or that. And if you're not appreciating what you have, then that's a slap in God's face, you know, just appreciating everything that that is within your space and your world is that's it's selfish not to acknowledge that, you know, that you're that these are blessings, whatever they are in your life, you know, that you have maybe attracted to your own. I think you're speaking to me right now because we were just talking about (laughs) yesterday off air about or maybe it was this morning, whatever day I sent you the voice message of like, this is so heavy sitting with people having these conversations and mm-hmm. it feels sometimes like, you know, we put ourselves in that box of, well, who's going to, who's going to listen to this episode and judge us or, yeah, yeah. you know, like, um, we have a lot of religious friends and, and, and people from my church, I would love for them to listen to the podcast. And, and thankfully everybody in my church has been supportive of my yogic path and, and all the things that I'm learning and diving into. Um, but what you were just saying, like, it feels so counterbalanced with, like, I want to shed light and I want to give voice to all of these different people and all of their experiences. And when something comes up that's, that seems like it's very in the box, I immediately think, like, oh, God, I need to do a podcast on the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's, you know, it seems like 
how am I, how should I word it here? I worded it good when I said it yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. You, do you see where my conflict comes? Like, I'm yeah, trying yes. to be without being confrontational. With yeah. That. Like, how do yes, I, that's how what do I was. put these conversations in the mm-hmm. world without being the antagonist of like, no, you're doing it wrong. Like, well, you first know of I mean? all, you can only show up as you. First of all. Secondly, the more clear you get on why it is you're doing what you're doing, the easier it is to stay in line with that vision. And to stay focused and, on that and not let it shatter. Because well, that's what we've found yeah. with the, the podcast. Is sometimes our, the own chatter within our brain has, has made us are, question why we said this or did this or Well, if you whatever. are doing this podcast yeah. for everybody else, mm-hmm. then you're probably exactly. in it for the wrong reasons, right. to be honest. Yeah. That yeah. everything we do should be for us. This should light you up inside because it lights you up. Which it that does. That regardless, it then whatever yeah. somebody says doesn't matter because yeah. this lights you up inside. Okay. And how someone else receive it receives it, you have no control mm-hmm. over that. Yeah. Yeah. But the moment you put your energy and your emotions behind their reaction, mm. now you just gave them control. Mm-hmm. Instead, you're staying in alignment of like, I do this because this lights me up. If you listen, great. If you don't listen, great. I'm doing this for me. And I know that as I do this for me and I fulfill my passions, if I lean into my pleasure, those things that really light me up, it blesses the world no matter what. It may not have numbers and statistics and all the things like, but again, none of that matters. Our influence is far greater than anything that can be measured. The vibrations we put out literally start to heal the world. Nobody can measure that, but it changes. It changes the frequency of this room of everywhere we go. I don't care if a computer tells me that or not. And I don't care if somebody doesn't like what I say, I'm not gonna stop speaking because this is my truth and I know that this is how I heal and I connect to people. Again, their reaction is an indication to me of what's going on within them and how can I show up in love for them. Mm-hmm. Will they receive it? I don't know. Not, a, not, my, not my monkey, not my circus. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be over here doing my thing. And as people, as you stand in your power, doing your thing, in your pleasure, in your, divine right as a human being it inspires and gives people permission to do the same that they are so caught up in being in their passion and in their happiness they don't have time to talk about you because they are loving their life and you don't have time to listen because you are loving your life and how beautiful is that that we can be in a community where everyone is doing vastly different things and loving our lives because they're independent of what anybody else is doing. And if you're loving your own life, then you're not going to condemn somebody no. else's life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Usually it's like, oh, they're just really unhappy. Hey, well, if you, well, this is what I'm doing. If you want to come along, then yeah. you can come and join me. Mm-hmm. And if not, okay. Yeah. Namaste. Yeah. You know? And so getting really clear as to why you're doing it. Yeah. Draw your energy back. Draw your attention back. Remember that this is for you. This lights you up. That you, who you are, when you show up in the world, it changes and it heals. It has nothing to do with who listens. You know? Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. We've definitely felt that. Like every time we sit with somebody, I told her, I just feel like a snake lately. I'm just shedding. So I, every time I talk to you personally, like I just shed something else or something else is brought to light where how could I not be lit up by this? Like, yes. how, you know, having these conversations and we've met so many different types of people where mm-hmm. we'd go into the session and not know a thing about the person or, you know, first time meeting someone 
and leave having learned something and feeling good about feeling a, a transformation within our own self yeah. just because of them sharing and being vulnerable enough mm -hmm. to share authentically yes yeah so yeah that's definitely the practice for me is is pulling back stepping back into my own power I mean I'm since the conception of the studio like it landed in my lap as well you know of, of this is what you should do and okay God I'll try you know and just remembering that um, I am enough I'm capable you know I had to write that on my mirror at one point of this journey just I don't know I you seem like the type of person that just exudes confidence and I know that it had to take it like there had to been some catalyst for you to get there or maybe you were just always born the confident one out of the seven or, or whatever <laughs> the leader <laughs> I was oddly very uncharacteristically the youngest child wow like you know I was just yeah. I um, just never really questioned anything and I didn't really I, I naturally fall into leadership roles mm -hmm. and I'm okay with it and I'm also okay not being it and what's I the age think, difference I'm just curious between you and the next two years it's all about two years. two years okay between all of us mm -hmm. how old are you by the way 39 and so yeah but just so like much, so much experience so much wisdom tied up into that 39 years so just i'm in awe we all have it though this is the thing we You've all to it have <laughs> we all have this inner wisdom within us mm -hmm. and if we really took the time to go inside and delve and sit with it, percolate, mm -hmm. get it out, we would realize just how much we have to offer this world. But we're, again, we're so busy being unhappy with where we are mm -hmm. and comparing ourselves to everybody else and all the things that they do and how they look and la da 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 that we <laughs> don't, and what they think about us, that we don't even have time to see our inner wisdom. And, and the truth and is even like- Even going back to the you know, scientific view of just even our brains, like, our, our, you know, we, it's been shown that we use very little part of our brain and if we will open up and sit with that and, and seek out experiences and, and different things that will help us open up those pathways in our brain, then we're going to have a, a totally different view and experience on life just because it's there, again, it's within us. It's just how do we... How do we get to that point? That you know, Lean into love, lean into yeah. what feels good. Mm -hmm. It will always lead you there. I don't believe we were ever created to be like, this is meant to be one hellish drudgery, white knuckling it to mm -hmm. the end, to death. Suffering. I think it was literally and how suffering. Sad. But yeah. that's where people mm -hmm. connect. Oh, well, my suffering is greater than your suffering. Mm -hmm. And now we all like mm -hmm. just commune over misery instead of being like, man, this is crazy ride we're on together this is so fun mm -hmm. and so leaning into the things that bring us joy leaning into the things that we love leaning into love itself mm -hmm. that's how you open it up it's really quite simple but we like to stay in those places that are familiar and and, and it's scary it is, it is scary. scary and there's a lot of programming right so if you lean into love or lean into our passions well now you're selfish. Yeah. And now oh, you're not going to make doing money doing your job. Now you're not. Yeah. Change your default yeah. setting. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And this is where, mm -hmm. why it's so beautiful with the study of epigenetics and what's happening, what they've realized, the plasticity of the brain, that mm -hmm. you can literally rewire and rethink mm -hmm. 
just you just create new neural pathways. Mm-hmm. So create some new thoughts, create some new actions, write a new story, yeah. write a new and story. Yeah. And so just practice. And back to when you mentioned loving what is, we tell ourselves these stories that are not truth and we have to take a step back in the book loving what is she says you know ask yourself these four questions one of them being is is it true and then you ask yourself again it are you sure it's true <laughs> you know because we it's that default path that our brain's taking and you know which can help you fight the anxiety and depression and things that so many of us struggle with if, if we've just got to rewire as you said yeah and pulling out those tools that help because mm-hmm. it is it, it's not easy to just all of a sudden wake up and rewire mm-hmm. certainly it it's takes a, a lot of practice mm-hmm. and it's concerted effort you have to prioritize it mm-hmm. and this is why enacting other practices can help get you there that have been shown like psilocybin for instance has been shown to literally create new neural pathways mm-hmm. in your brain that like it's it's amazing what it can do and same thing yoga can do the same thing there's the tantric practice like so many things can help rewire the brain mm-hmm. tapping we haven't mentioned tapping, tapping yeah. is an amazing thing well when when you were saying doing the tools i always think about tapping because yes. that is my go-to is yes. the tapping yeah and so there's lots of yeah. things that we can do to help us along this journey it's you don't have to intentional be, yeah yeah or and just doing it like literally mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. even if you don't have the you just do it to check off mm-hmm. the box yeah that's better than not doing it at all yeah it's just it, well even like with the tapping you know we've heard that it doesn't there is a pattern a way to do it but if you don't even do it that way it's your intention works. is to it it, it 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 derails that path that you're going to and head on into that train or whatever you know it, it you the tapping will reroute your thought pattern at that moment to to help get out of that situation. I think we've talked about everything on my list, but I keep looking back at the question about tell me a little bit more about the divine feminine mm-hmm. because just yes. in our conversation in the yard yesterday, I was I was calling Robin. I was like, I'm so excited for the podcast. Like, I just can't <laughs> wait to talk to Amy some more. I just can't get enough of her. Um, but like, what? How, how do you see this? And we've talked in the spiritual community. There's there's been talk for the past several years of, of the the rise of the divine feminine and how you know, there's this shift happening and how do you see that moving forward to help our world that we live in? Like, if, and I know you, you talked about the, 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 the masculine and feminine and how it doesn't matter your gender, how they're both within us, but how can we start to come together a little bit more in society as a whole, in our relationships and in our individual self? Where do we begin to find balance? You find balance first and foremost within self. Like that's the only place you can start. And as you find balance within yourself, that naturally goes out and changes the world. You know, um, you'll take inspired action, whatever that needs to be, to further it into the community, into society. So balance within self is one fully loving and accepting of who you are as a woman, dropping expectations, dropping the shoulds, the shouldn'ts, dropping the comparisons. If very practical tools. Getting off of social media would be incredibly helpful for a lot of women to stop comparing, to stop wasting so much time. They've shown that women and females tend to be naturally gravitate more towards um, 
social media addictions, whereas men more the video game and the, the violence and that mm-hmm. stimulation. But it, texting and social media is very toxic to women in a lot of different ways. It's a tool, great. And also it would benefit everyone if we could connect more fully back to nature. Mm-hmm. So getting is more in tune. Women throughout history have been intricately connected to nature, to the moon. The cycles of our time, mm-hmm. pre, like our current calendars used to be based off the moon. We used to have 13 months of 28 days mm-hmm. with a one day as a reset day. And it wasn't part of the, the calendar year. And everything was based off of the woman's cycle because it was based off of the moon. And then we moved into this masculine patriarchal society in which everything is based off of the sun and it's all haywire. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're now running off of 24 hour cycles, which are not feminine. That's a, the masculine cycle. And it's a, again, it regenerates the masculine energy. It does not regenerate the feminine energy. So the more that females literally get in touch with their cycles, like, do you know your menstrual cycle and which phase you're in? Are you nourishing your body in those times? Are you tapping into the wisdom? Are you like feeding your the foods that are needed for your body at that time during that particular phase? Women are so out of balance with their hormones because of birth control, because of blue screens, because of like literally all of these things that are intentionally getting women out of natural cycles. So the more that women can just get in balance, like literally I would start with sleep, Mm -hmm. (laughs) getting in line with your your menstrual cycle, Mm -hmm. the emotions and all that, and then knowing when your body recharges. So women, they, their whole cycle lasts for about 28 days, like the moon in terms of when they feel energy. So like you look at it where a man's recycles within 24 hours, what they can do in one day, we do in one month. Mm -hmm. So we have these seasons where it's like, we are about 10% during this week and about 50% and like we're only 100% mm-hmm. of full solar energy during ovulation time that week. And yet this is like literally the best time to make decisions. It is the best time to be super productive and to create a new business and to birth all this. That's the time. And yet women are expected to show up like we are not little men. We're not designed biologically. We are different. Mm-hmm. And yet the world expects us to show up as men. And in so doing, we've actually taken a lot of power away from men. And now men don't even know how to show up in their role Mm -hmm. because women are taking over. And it's like, if we would fall back into our own cycles and honor that, then that would be a great place to start of just finding that balance. And then outside of that, just again, where can I have a little bit more flow? Where can I let go and realize I don't have to be so rigid? Where can I embody? What does the feminine mean to you? Does it mean wearing a flowy dress? Does it mean scaling a mountain or like whatever? Like it can show up in any way, but you need to figure that out for yourself. And no one way is gonna be the right way. The other big thing for women is tapping into their sexual powers. And I mean, there's so much healing that needs to happen, like generational healing that needs to happen through the womb. There's so much stigma and toxicity regarding childbirth, conception, um, sexual natures because of purity culture. There's, there's, our culture is riddled with all of these things and women's are the gatekeepers of the, of the creative forces. We, our whole inner, like our entire system is symbolic of that, like the shedding of blood. This is symbolic throughout religion, throughout time, of being very cleansing, of being a blessing, of being um, ceremonial. And we do it every month of this cleansing process. The, the cervix, it thins like the veil is thinning. We are the portal between life 
from the spirit into a physical manifestation. We are the hubs of God creation itself. It's symbolic in everything that our body does. And yet we have so much, oh, my period, it's the worst. Oh, I don't even want my period. I'm on birth control to stop it. And it's like, make peace with this incredible response, sacred responsibility that we have as the gatekeepers of life and honor that. And so for me personally, like it's rewiring, like starting conversations with my daughters, creating red tents where we are bringing in the wisdom of the, the grandmothers and the mothers and the aunties. Everybody's coming in in honor and respect for the natural wisdom that we have within us as females of the womb wisdom that is also lunar in energy as we go into the dark and nurture and create together so that we can show up more fully in the world. I wanted to ask you a question just as um, to, maybe you can expand on your thoughts on, so as women, we all have gone through this beginning our period, but yet before that, and then after we actually have that cycle, through the natural occurrence or a, not a natural occurrence like through an ablation or hysterectomy or something like yeah. that um, we still have cycles yes so explain can you ex expand on well, we're that cyclical we're cyclical beings by nature mm -hmm. like we run with cycles all the time mm -hmm. and so it's about people finding cycles especially women who have had some kind of trauma or mm -hmm. medical reasons as to why they're not having a period mm -hmm. or even their post menstruation mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so um it's you're still energetically even if your uterus isn't there it's still energetically it's still there mm -hmm. and finding that cycle for yourself that you within the month every woman has a time of like fall of well it's really like spring and summer and fall and winter for themselves of how to utilize that energy and how do you find that you have to tap in okay. you can monitor it mm -hmm. first of all Getting rid of any heavy metals, pesticides, toxins within the body, mm -hmm. it's much easier to be in touch with nature, within. If you're all messed up and you're eating fast food, well, it's gonna be a lot harder to figure out your cycles because you're eating a bunch of hormones and steroids and all sorts of crap. Mm -hmm. So the more you can cleanse the body just on a physical level, the easier it is, is to like tune in. Mm -hmm. Then once there, it takes like three to six months to kind of figure this out, keeping a journal, mm -hmm. like, like even like a, a calendar of like, this is how like I feel this way. This is how much I weigh this morning. I'm craving this. And like just these natural things that we kind of miss and you just write it down in a phone, wherever, and you start to recognize the patterns as each month goes. For women who are still bleeding, it's incredibly beneficial to be like, okay, this is my, which day in the cycle am I? Mm -hmm. Do I have a 41 day cycle? What is going on? Do mm -hmm. I have a 13 day cycle? Like where's my body out of balance and where can I get more in line? Again, it used to be in tribes that most of the women bled right around the same time because right. they were so in touch with mm -hmm. the moon. And it was right during new moon was menstruation and full moon was ovulation. And, and the whole tribe would shut down for the red tent for the wisdom keepers to meet in the moon. The red tent is also another good book. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but in, into the moon, in the moon tent, right? Like where they would come to share their wisdom. And they honored that. And so... But because we're so out of touch, like if you're looking at a blue screen well into the night, your circadian rhythms are going to be off. You're not, your body's not like producing the melatonin to then trigger, hey, like, hey it's time for bed, mm -hmm. to then go to sleep. Like, so there's certain 
modern day things that we're doing that is messing up our cycles. The food we eat, our electronics, the way that we're like, go, 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 the busyness of our day. And so eradicating those as much as you can, getting more in tune with your cycles in even the phases of the moon. So people who aren't bleeding, another one, easy one is just look at the moon. You might notice some shifts. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, all of a sudden I am feeling very productive. I am feeling very like um, extra energy, like, or I'm feeling like way down. What, what moon phase is it? And people think it's crazy. And yet throughout time, we can see that there's definitely some weird things that happen yeah. around certain moon phases. Mm -hmm. And so that's a good, like, if we're looking for an, um, one that people can just kind of anchor into, the moon is a fun one. Well, it sounds crazy, but how much of our body is made of water and yeah. the moon affects the tides. Yeah. <laughs> well, the sound, even, even with you know? when you go into labor and things like that, like it has been shown that labor and delivery happens more yep. yeah. at moon time, yeah. at certain moon phases. And, and even the Navy, my dad was in the Navy and um, several things that you have said have, have resonated with things that he taught me just because of being in the Navy and paying attention to the moon. Mm -hmm because so much of what you did the next day depended on how the moon looked the night before. Yes, you know? this is why so. throughout time before our current mm -hmm. calendar, actually everything was based off of the moon, mm -hmm. that we would harvest certain things on the moon phases, that everything was in line with that because that's what the women were in line with and they were the wisdom keepers. Okay, so, so it's taking me 35 years to, well, I guess not 35, 15 or so, to understand my own I guess what I'm trying to say is sex has become so masculine. Absolutely. That now I'm, I'm finally understanding my body and my, you know, I've had an ablation, so I, you know, don't cycle like that, but I want to start tracking again because I know that there's a certain week of the month, mm -hmm. every month where I'm sexual and now is the time, you know, and mm -hmm. like trying to explain that to my husband, like a week before, you know, it's not you. Mm -hmm. It's just my body. Like, mm -hmm. so it's so well, And with that, that's really good that you're starting to notice it as well. And I would encourage you to start tapping into your pleasure all of the time. Right. And what I mean by that is, can you touch your shoulder and feel so much love and turn on even from your shoulder? Like, Oh, that feels so great. My knee. And like, and realizing that as a sexual, right. It's, it's really sensual, right, that we are right. sensual beings. We have senses, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and those things can be like invigorated. Mm -hmm. And so you play around with those senses all throughout the whole month, and then notice um, it will heighten your sensitivity for the whole month, not just, you're not just having it the one, like, you know, it's like, well, this is the week, yeah. now or never, yeah. see you next month. Yeah. You know, like, we wanna be able to lean into pleasure and like, having our pleasure be more than just sex yeah. because for most men it's like well that's what sex is isn't it like mm -hmm. and it's like no actually pleasure can be so much more i mean how linear and boring and one-dimensional if all we're receiving pleasure is through just sex alone i'm like that is not fun that is not very fulfilling but if we can feel just as like like and they call these like energy orgasms and like just like turned on if you will right by being with somebody in conversation in the cuddling or in the stargazing or in the whatever you could literally do whatever and still have this intense orgasmic experience that has nothing to do with sex 
Well, is that possible for men to feel that? Absolutely. Because <laughs> I feel like that's a very feminine Absolutely. Thing. But it requires the female usually to lead them there. And most men have been desensitized. Mm -hmm. So, like, they don't know what it feels like to have, like, and this is where tantric practices are really beneficial. Like, star, like eye gazing is an incredible exercise to do with a significant other, or with really with anyone. And, um, like, drawing attention, awareness, and breath to other parts of the body. For the, for the sole purpose of drawing attention awareness there to regain sensitivity, not for the outcome based, well, well just gonna have an orgasm and then we're done. Mm -hmm. And that's really what sex has become is just like, oh, it's just have a baby. Oh, we're just right. trying to make it to climax. And it's like, no, it's something so much more than that. It's or too I'm just really, trying to try, you know, check the sex box. Yes, like, exactly. Well, instead <laughs> of being like, why can't this be a whole experience? Mm -hmm. Of like, like think about when you first meet somebody, like when you're a teenager, and it's like butterflies. Ooh, this is so fun and exciting. And they just looked at me, and all of a sudden, I'm like, ooh, like, why could, why would we not want that all of the time? Right. Of just like that fun. It can save a lot of marriages. Like, right? Exactly. Yeah. And now our pleasure isn't dependent on somebody else. Mm -hmm. That like, I acknowledge if my husband isn't like, it's just he's not feeling it. Guess what? I don't need him for my pleasure. I can feel just as much love and turn on by just being in me. And he can for him. He is not dependent on me. How much more freeing would it be for a woman to know that they are not a sex toy, that they are not to be used, that they are something, and that their husband's pleasure is self-generated. And that we, when we come together, it's expansive. It's not dependent on one another. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we move out of scarcity mindset Yes. We, it's just, we just expand on one another's pleasure. Right. And so anyway, that... Because, because the pleasure is not going to be there if you're all in your head. You know, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're... Well, or yeah, you're or just or like you're straight outcome-based. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so really leaning into your own sexuality and in your own pleasure more than just that one week mm -hmm. of like, where can I just find pleasure in me? Mm -hmm. And like drawing the energy there and playing with the energy. So like... It's really easy to generate pl pleasure in the most sensitive of places, mainly the clitoris or the tip of the penis, things like that, which everybody knows, right? Mm -hmm. And can we use that energy and generate it without climax? Can we generate it up to other centers of the body? Mm -hmm. Because what this, when I say that Kundalini, it is energetic and it is also very physical. And there's like physical fluids that you can transmute the sexual fluids within the body to become this healing force that's been known as the fountain of youth and circulated up the governing meridians to these other energy channels or the chakras. And this is like Tibetans have been using this for, I mean, millennia and other traditions like the sages. Like anyway, the point is, is that it can be a very physical thing that is also healing. So if you can generate this pleasure in this turn on and then send it through breath and movement to other areas of the body without orgasm. And this is where people are like, wait, what? It's, it literally, you're healing your body. You can heal. It's particularly beneficial for men. And if anybody wants to study more into it, they can look into semen retention, which is a ancient practice that has huge benefits for men. Men's energy, their sexual, it's, it's limited. It, it will, but women's are regenerating. And so it's more important for men because theirs is very limited. So if they're able to recycle and to transmute and alchemize their energy, that is the gateway to embodying the divine masculine. Wow. But 
that's and that's a whole other discussion of like life force. We need like another podcast just on that. Oh my goodness! Do you have any other questions, Robin, that Um, we didn't cover? I think I've got everything on my list. uh, We've talked a lot of different topics today. Is there anything else that you would like to share specifically, Amy? That you feel like you didn't cover? No, I feel like you guys just went on a wild ride (laughs) with me. Uh, No, I just I I did have one question, and it kind of goes back to the the food is medicine and plants is medicine and I was just telling Gracie after going to the doctor last week and everything that was that happened through that process that I just really would love to have a natural path doctor a doctor that is more proactive in the prevention than the testing and fixing you know because it seemed like the questions that I was being asked were all, well, if you're doing this, it must be this, and not really getting, that was, it, it was very superficial and surface about my particular issues. And um, what is your advice on, for, for people to, fi- to be able to recognize and find and ask the right questions in finding the right medical care or is there a, a place that we could all start in discovering um, herbs and plants that can help us is there is there is, is there like a jumping off point or I would tell everybody first to read feelings buried alive never die or and or um, the body keeps the score mm-hmm. I have that one yeah. mm-hmm. so and within, there's a few other books that have reference, but I, I particularly like Feelings Buried Alive Never Die because um, it's written by Carol Truman. She does have an LDS background, so if you are a member like a, of the LDS church, you can send some more gospel vernacular in there. Mm-hmm. And she gives a great reference point. So if you're having a specific ailment, she lists like um, emotions that could be associated with that mm-hmm. and then gives you basically a script to help release it. I initially, when I first came upon this years and years and years ago, I did use that script and it was a good jumping point, mm-hmm. but my practice has since evolved from that, but it is, and if it resonates, it resonates. If not, it doesn't. If anything, the good takeaway is the reference cards that will pinpoint, like if you have a cold or if you have a cold sore or something, these are emotions that are related or could be related to it. And then you sit with it with your body, like, is this what my body is trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. The other thing is doing embodiment practices. Um, there's a lot of different practices that could you could do. Uh, no Bad Parts is another great one by Richard Schwartz. It takes on more of the emotional aspect of understanding that every part of us is divine. And they, it's like your highest self is the parent and all these other things that are within us are our children. And are we regulating as the parent within ourselves? Mm-hmm. And so he gives really good tips and tricks on how to, because again, at the heart of it all, it's emotions Mm -hmm. and then take inspired action from there i promise the body will always lead you right if anything go to an herb shop in your own cabinet and start smelling herbs which ones do you resonate with which ones are like oh my gosh this smells so good Mm -hmm. do you have essential oils just smell them be near them Mm -hmm. you will naturally feel very drawn to certain ones that's not by happenstance just Mm -hmm. lean into it and then it will be interesting to go back and read well what does this herb do what does this oil do and you might be surprised that I've heard the opposite right like something that doesn't smell good to you sometimes is what you need and it could be that way just go with what's feeling good 
So it's usually easier for people to lean in with the yes than it is the no. Yeah. Okay. And in my experience, I like to lean, if there's anything very clear, I like to lean into pleasure and the things that say feel good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I like to lean into the things. And there have been times where I've known I need to lean into the discomfort. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to choosing that, it never was for me. And then as I learned more, there's certain herbs even now that are really good that I'm like, ugh, the smell of this. But I love it because it does really great things for me. <laughs> and I'll do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's, it's like a, the perspective of what you do like and what you don't like almost. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And whatever, whatever it is, just have fun. Mm-hmm. Like smile more, laugh more. If you're choosing something, make it light. I, I read a book recently. Anyway, it's just about traveling light. Can you travel light and stay longer? Mm-hmm. Like, let's just travel light through life and have fun stay longer in all these places in connection. One of my favorite words is linger. Yes. I love that word linger. 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 <laughs> so yeah, out of all the I advice, it's why. that. Just I'm linger. very drawn to that word, you know. Just yeah. Linger. It just, no, it feels to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Amy, thank you so much. Um, I, I hope that if anybody listening has any questions they feel like they can contact you, you absolutely know, um, i am not on social not media, on social media. <laughs> i do not do that i believe in real connection with real people in real Send time up a flare and so i'm a firm believer they will find me they will yeah. find you here at the studio yeah mm-hmm. so i'm here at the studio and you know we are meant mm-hmm. to be in conversation we will be mm-hmm. yes i love it thank you so much thank you We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. May you feel empowered and full of gratitude. Until Until next time, when grateful hearts speak. speak.